Radio Studio at the George Washington Broadcast Center. Jack Armstrong and Joe Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. So this poll is getting some attention. It's just, it's, it's interesting. I think it speaks more to the way we take in information than anything else. In that uh, we get information from different places. The information is different, and so we have different views. Um, we're not all coming at stories from a shared set of facts. That's a real problem for how a democracy is going to work. But here's a good example of it. So Gallup asked people, uh, should healthy people live their normal lives as much as possible? 40 of course. Only 44% of respondents said that healthy people should still stay at home as much as possible to avoid contracting and spreading the coronavirus at this point. 44% overall in America, and I wish it wasn't that high. But if you break it down by party, 71% of Democrats still believe that Americans ought to stay home. Why in the world would I do that? I don't know. To avoid what? I'm fully vaccinated. There's risk every single day. There's disease every single day. Why am I doing that now? I don't know. I I just, I don't know. I don't know what information uh, people who tend to be on the left are hearing that makes them feel that way. Or if it's some sort of signaling to my tribe thing. I don't know. Like I said, I lived in one, I live in one of the leftist towns in, uh, in America and masks everywhere outside. Outside, there are masks everywhere. That's people, insane. People that are clearly a couple, like they appear to be a husband and a wife walking their dogs with masks. You live together, so you don't have to worry about each other. You're probably vaccinated, almost certainly, and uh, and you're outdoors. So, I mean, there is a zero chance you could get or spread the virus. So, I don't know. I don't know if it's a signal thing or not. Remember the uh, that hog kid who is the activist about uh, gun violence. Uh, left he's not an overeater. That's his last name. That's his last name. Yeah. He said, I feel like I need to wear a hat that says I'm not a Republican if I'm going to go maskless. So there yeah. is a concern among some crowds that people think, wait a second, are you a Trump fan not having a mask on? So some people are wearing their mask for that reason. But but I wouldn't think that that would factor into the poll of should people get back to their normal lives. 71% of Democrats say no. Okay. Well, and you mentioned this briefly in the last hour. The uh, numbers among independents were striking to me. Um, do I have that in this version of the poll? I don't know. Let me go back uh, to the old version. I happen to remember because okay. it struck me. Uh, 64% of independents said people should get back to their normal lives. Yeah. So the gulf between Democrats and everybody else is enormous. Yeah, 87% of Republicans, dang near 9 out of 10 Republicans, said it's time for people to start living their normal lives. And two-thirds of independents. But Democrats are a complete flip. 71% say, no, stay home as much as possible. Yeah, way out of step with even independents. Like, way out of step. Not even close. So there are two political aspects of this, I think. Number one, the siloed information, which you point out. Um, uh, number two, the tribal signaling, which is unquestionably a factor. And number three, and I think you and I and people like us, maybe even our listeners are in danger of forgetting this all the time. Since we're all like really into what's happening and what's news and what's true and what's the latest. I think a lot of America, it's weeks or months until they hear important information it just doesn't filter down to them because they're not particularly into news 
Yeah, I don't know. It explains uh, some interactions I've had over the last couple of months with people. Um, people that lean toward things being shut down and still not going out and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, but I mean, the fact that Democrats and independents are mirror images of each other or, or opposites or however you want to phrase it. Yeah. I mean, that's just the left is way out there on this. Oh, speaking of which. I wonder how long that lasts. I mean, if you're wearing a mask at this point, you're in a town where uh, practically everybody's probably vaccinated. You're outdoors. You can't catch it. Catch me outside. How about that? I wonder how long that will last. There's the coronavirus. Uh, I, I don't know. It's so strange to me. I, I can't predict how it's going to progress because it's, it's mental illness, practically. This is from the Department of Unintentional Comedy or, or Nearly Laughable Tragedy or something like that. The new uh, mask rules for Cal Unicornia from the California Division of Occupational Safety and Health or Cal OSHA. It voted to loosen workplace mask rules on Thursday. These are the new crazy loose rules. Now, I happen to have been traveling lately to several states, and uh, a lot of y'all in other states are going to think, this must be a rerun from last May. A and G are on vacation or something. Right. No, this is, he says, grabbing his phone. This is Tuesday, June 8th, the year of our Lord 2021. These words are being spoken. Starting June 15th, everyone in an indoor workplace must wear a mask if there is at least one person who is unvaccinated. If every single air-sucking homo sapien is vaccinated, masks can be removed. All right, let's start there. (laughs) So you got one holdout and everybody else has to be masked? How much hatred is that going to cause? And what is that for? The vaccinated people can't spread it, so it's highly unlikely. Yeah. Well, it's, but so what's the point? The tiny, tiny incremental chance that that unvaccinated person could catch it from one of the vaccinated people. Well, that's almost zero. Well, it's caution to the point of of the word paranoia is overused. I mean, I'm using it as the medical definition of paranoia. It's it's caution to the point of being mentally ill. Hmm. That really doesn't the, make any mathematical sense. Y- you want to guffaw people in the 49 We're other following states. following the science. And uh, certainly listening around the world. The state's current rules, because remember, this this doesn't come into play for a week. And even if the there state, were like a 10% chance that you could spread it to the one non-vax person, that's your problem. You chose right, not get to a get vaccine. vaccinated. Or don't. You take your risk with the, if you're young, if you're under 60, you're probably not going to die anyway. So, you know, fine. I get your, I get your, why you, go ahead. But why are we all changing our behavior for you? This is straight out of Kafka or, or Solzhenitsyn or something. You got 50 employees. One of them is not vaccinated. And your, your solution is the other 49 need to do something special and and then burdensome if you ask me so anyway that's the the brave new rules the current rules require everyone to wear a mask regardless of vaccination status and these rules remain in effect until 2022 at least but workers who are indoors have to stay at least six feet apart until the end of july even if they're vaccinated okay that's just idiotic Employers can provide respirators, masks, to unvaccinated workers to get rid of the social distancing requirements, which will go away entirely in August. All of these different dates and everything. 
Uh, businesses are supposed to supply masks if they're needed. Kalosha will require employers to have documentation confirming that workers are fully vaccinated before you can take off your masks. And you got to report that to the state, I guess, where they aren't keeping track and don't care, I'm sure. And these are these rules are far stricter than the federal guidelines right now. And there's practically no covid in California. It's just insane. Who supports these new rules? This is a good Q&A in the San Francisco Chironical. Worker union groups, including the California School Employees Association and California Labor Federation, supported the new rules, noting that the pandemic is not over and masks will help ensure worker safety. Who opposes the new rules? More than 60 business groups, including the California Chamber of Commerce, um, but because the unions own California, those rules stand. So there you go. That's how your government works. It's unbelievable. 49 people vaccinated, one not. The 49 got to throw on masks. Unreal. I'd say. Armstrong and Getty. Uh, Have you ever heard of the concept switching topics of limitarianism? Are you a a (laughs) limitarianist? Limitarianism. I, I I doubt it. Limitarian. That's what it's called. Anyway. So I've I, never been great about knowing mine, for instance. <laughs> My limits. <laughs> I think I can have one more. The shotgun. Now, granted, I was 19, I think, when somebody said this to me. He said, Joe, I figured you out. You do everything to excess. Mm. Partying, studying, music, women, everything's to excess. Maybe you should be a limitarian. So I came across a couple of different articles just bouncing around all the big Sunday papers yesterday where people were talking about, uh, you know, there's just there, there's, a, there's a number of people that have too much money. They just make too much money. And it all comes on the heels of USA Today's got another cover story about it today. Yet another cover story about um, those IRS files that came out last week. Remember the top 25 people, was it? The top 25 richest people in America didn't pay any tax. Income uh, tax. Income tax last year, yeah. Excellent pointing that out, Sean, because they pay all kinds of other taxes. But um, that story got so much attention. It's still on the front page of USA Today after a week. And the whole story is stupid. Right. USA Today may be the farthest left newspaper among the formerly, you know, down the middle types. And even that was suspect back in the day. They're so far left. It's amazing these days. But anyway, out of that story. um, And again, as I pointed out last week, Joe, you were gone uh, briefly. You're not hearing any clamoring by Democrats or Republicans in Congress to change the laws. Correct. None. Nobody has proposed anything. You know why? Because they make sense, most of these laws. It's a combination of either they make sense or they're benefiting from them, too, because most people in Congress are rich. But a lot of them make sense that you can carry your debt forward for however many years and put off your taxes, blah, 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 offset it to grow businesses, which helps all of us. Nobody, Nobody's changing these. They act like it's a, a scandal that these people aren't paying taxes. Does it occur to you that nobody in Congress is wanting to change these rules? No, right. and it's for good reason. Did you see, it was over the weekend, I think it was in the New York Times, had this unbelievable piece about private venture capital companies and how they have written the tax codes. 
through their compliant friends in Congress and the Senate. They're extremely generous with campaign contributions, contributions to PACs, whatever, hiring people's relatives. They own the government. You don't. So uh, this opinion piece in the Washington Post got my attention. Is it time to limit personal wealth? And they referenced that article and how how rich some of these people are, Warren Buffett, Elon Musk, Jeff Bezos, and how little taxes they play. Yes, every billionaire is a policy failure, they state, as if that's just obviously true and we all agree. Uh, stop right there. Idiotic statement. Utterly idiotic. Every billionaire is a policy failure, but more than that, every billionaire is a failure of our own imagination. It's truly incomprehensible that there are so many billionaires and they pay so little taxes. A world where billionaires are impossible is what we need. There is, wow, so far, there's been nothing resembling logic in this. Doing so would require a revised conception of what is good and what is fair, an approach focused less on what is allowed and more on what is enough. Does that sound far-fetched? Such a philosophy already exists. The philosophy is called limitarianism, which suffers at least partially from its difficult difficulty to say and 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 also because of its idiocy director of the fair limit project a philosopher a philosopher named ingrid rubens argues that it is not morally permissible to have more resources than are needed to fully flourish in life on the other hand shut up just as there is a poverty line under which we agree that no one should fall limitarianism holds that there is a wealth line over which no one should rise and that the world would be better off for it how do you not understand the the simple economics of the problem of your of your philosophy? I just think it's it's like a religious faith that some people have. You just never question it. You can't. Why do we assume that individuals should be allowed to keep as much as they can grab? And how responsible are we for one another? What would happen if we limited the accumulation of great wealth? And what would a happy medium look like? Surely, and this is my favorite part, this is really the reason I did this story at all, surely the prospect of having only $999 million would not stop innovators in their tracks. Um, Yes, it would, actually. It actually would stop many innovators in their tracks if they were limited in how much money they could make. A lot of the companies that made the COVID vaccine uh, and people are going to profit would not have bothered. Um, Jeff Bezos, Elon Musk, a lot of these people would not do all kinds of things if they were limited in how much money they could, they could have. Perhaps not at the beginning, but at the point that the company or their shares in the company are worth $979 million, yes, they would absolutely lose the incentive to continue to grow. Well, how well, do you not understand that? Well, Bezos is worth 158 now? Something crazy like that. If he were only, if he were limited to 999 million, how much stuff would not have happened? Same with Elon Musk. Um, and even if it did stop some, would the trade off be so bad? You are a moron. Well, and or you have granted yourself enormous power this, to decide these things and to impose these things. Who elected you king of the universe? This person is saying that if innovators did stop innovating because of they weren't because of the fact that they weren't going to be allowed to go past a billion dollars, would that be so bad? Wow. You live in a completely different universe than I do. Boy, they really need to read Stephen Pinker's Enlightenment now. Now. God, that's stupid. Or look around you and understand human ma- human nature a little bit. No. You, th- you think everybody's nope. busting their ass to uh, develop an, a, an electric car company that changes the world? 
or uh, an online shopping system that changed the world or any of these things just because they're really into it or because they think they're going to build something un- in- un- unbelievably w- uh, profitable. Or both, but... Yeah, oh, I did. sure. You know, the only thing that person's ever innovated is the world's stinkiest crap heap of ideological tripe. You'll take no risks. Scent. Yeah. You'll take no risks to make that second billion dollars if you're limited to the first. Right, right. And and these days, a really innovative idea can make a billion dollars in the blink of an eye. That's just, I, I don't know. I, I would rather hear a dog barking through the night than that person's opinion ever again. And I said I came across it several times. That was a, an opinion piece put in the Sunday Washington Post. And just moronic. I think the fact that I saw that reference several times means something. I read the news. I've been reading the newspaper a lot for a lot of years. I don't remember coming across that just flat-out communist weirdo ideology so prevalently placed in our nation's newspapers yeah i i swear i've never heard the term limitarianism ever no those who have been blessed the most who have disproportionately extracted by whatever skill more and more from the national wealth they're gonna have to share more of that yeah the former governor of california he believed in limitarianism extracted from the public wealth huh that's an economic theory that means nothing yeah i tell you what there's a lot of kids getting indoctrinated into this stuff though i don't know it's a little scary if you ask me jack armstrong and joe getty i forewarned you let's go brandon the armstrong and getty show jack armstrong and joe getty point of personal privilege don't get brazen with me the armstrong and getty show What is that sound? What is that cheering? That is a, a Las Vegas woman crushing three watermelons in seven and a half seconds with her thighs, making it a world record. <laughs> Come on. Beating the uh, standing record of 14 seconds held, held by some... Destroyed the record. Yeah, set by some Ukrainian body bodybuilder woman. Actually, this uh, Las Vegas woman, what is her name? Courtney Olson, actually beat the male record. So she is the flat-out world record holder. <laughs> The male record for thigh watermelon crushing. Right. I think think you're jumping past the key element to this story too easily. (laughs) She she did it in watermelon. She's pushing her new clothing line that she's got, and she's preparing to teach watermelon crushing classes starting August 3rd. I tell you what, if you're considering dating a woman who can crush watermelons with her thighs, you ought to think carefully about that. Um, we'll get to banning non-functional grass, which could uh, spread as a thing across America. We'll get to that in a second. Kim Jong Un has outlawed tight jeans. Kind of a <laughs> kind of a funny uh, title, but the details of the story are chilling and real. Um, a law passed this winter called the Law on the Elimination of Reactionary Thought and Culture. Something China will probably do, or has sounds hurt. like sounds like something out of an American university. Yeah, true. True that. Carries penalties from five years in prison to death. Um, being on the wrong side of the law can be as simple as wearing tight pants. Um, they don't want skinny jeans, piercings, or trendy hairstyles. Watching certain TV shows can get a person sent to a labor camp. Smuggling TV shows into the country is a death penalty. Wow. A trendy look, the latest slang, 
awareness of South Korean TV shows are all signs of a capitalist lifestyle and thus anti-socialist, according to the North Korean government. They've called all these things dangerous poisons. So wow, so I'll bet they're sending their secret agents out into the hinterland saying, hey, have you seen the latest episode of, you know, what's it? And if you say yes, you're in serious, serious trouble. Well, it even seems like, oh, you have the hairstyle that Justin Bieber wore last week. Therefore, you are paying attention to American sure. culture, which is free markets, which we are against. There you yeah. go. Yikes. We don't want to all live like that. So let's uh, keep pushing back against China. And then to the grass. Parts of Nevada banning non-functional grass. First state in the country that's going to ban grass. Any non-functional turf. Now, it leaves out your backyard and front yard. Uh, They aren't going anywhere. Single-family homes are exempt from the new law, as are golf courses and parks. But we'll be saying goodbye in Nevada to grass that sits between the roads and the sidewalks. Or medians or traffic circles. You know, all that grass that uh, exists just kind of just does. Somebody has to mow that and water it and everything like that. That's all taxpayer money, too. So Right, right. And I'd imagine, you know, in your office parks or big buildings yep. that have a beautiful lawn surrounding them. It mentions that. Um, yeah. Oh. Decorative grass outside of big buildings, including housing developments and businesses, will go away. Lake Mead, which supplies around 90% of southern Nevada's water, is at a record low. And then people just also started thinking, what what do we need the grass between the median and the sidewalk for? What's what what's going on there? The sidewalk and the road. We need that. Here's one thing I would say though, and I wonder if they've taken this into account. How much cooler it makes your city? Mm. Um, I don't know what the trade off is there. As, As in, like that's cool, Daddy O. Yeah, keen, neato. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Uh, as a motorcycle rider. It's amazing to me. You don't notice this in a car, but I can. You, you can be driving down a highway where it's just like uh, I don't know, dirt on both sides. Then there's a big field. The temperature drops so much, you might end up cold as you drive by a field. Then the temperature goes back up again when the, when the field is over. It's amazing how much the temperature is affected by you know whether or not there's some green plants growing. Wow, how and, uh, interesting. And I wonder what that will yeah. do to the just overall temperature of uh, Vegas, which doesn't need to get any hotter. No. Or any city where they ban grass. Yeah. I don't know if oh, that's that into an a, intriguing question. I don't yeah. know if they've taken that into account, but there you go. That might be the future for a lot of places around America. Mm-hmm. I should probably ban tight pants myself. The pants I'm wearing are not too tight, but I do have some pants that are quite tight i feel bad for the north korean guy who's just put on a little a couple pounds right and i was gonna say yeah i'm not wearing tight pants i'm too big for my perfectly okay pants right did you shrink the pants to to achieve some sort of visual look or did you grow into the pants those are two completely different pantal relationships the law on the elimination of reactionary thought and culture how scary sounding is that I tell you what, you go to American universities, you poll the professors, you could get at least 50% who would say, yeah, that sounds good to me. I'd like to be able to do that. Probably different issues than haircuts, piercings, and tight pants, but... Uh... Uh, yeah. Oh, absolutely. Two things you need to know about the New York mayoral, mayoral race. It gets way too much attention because all the media is based in New York. It doesn't matter to me or really any of you. <laughs> Who is well, the, mayor the only of New York reason is? it it matters to me is it, it, New York's uh, a, a laboratory of democracy. It's it's sure. an experiment in governance. Yeah. So yeah. I like to see what happens. Oh, I, yeah, I get that, but uh, you know, come on, you can't deny it's out gets outsized attention because everybody oh. telling you what the news is lives there. 
Oh, absolutely. Um, right. But um, Andrew Yang was leading in the polls, and now this other dude is leading in the polls who's uh, coming off as tougher on crime because that is the number one issue in New York, public safety. And I wonder if that is going to uh, spread across the country. I uh, mentioned last week the the incredible numbers on how many people care about crime and uh, and public safety right now. It's just, it just skyrocketed. Uh, the latest to poll there, this Ipsos poll in New York, nearly 46% of likely voters say crime and public safety should be the top priority of the next mayor. Up seven points in a month. Uh, anyway, so that is going to be what most people are talking about. Yang, Andrew Yang, who's uh, second in the polls, he's he is um, he's not a soft on crime guy. He just hasn't made it a big uh, emphasis of his platform. He might have to start mm-hmm. if he wants to. But uh, I don't know, because they're doing an interesting experiment that a lot of people have been wanting for quite a while. They're doing rank choice voting in New York. It'll be the biggest experiment we've had in the country with rank choice voting. They do it in Alaska and I think Maine, but because their populations are so low, it's hard to say what the results are. New York mayoral race, much bigger population, and we'll see what the effects of this are. Do you want to explain how that works? or? Well, yeah, you essentially list your first, second, and third choice, depending on the system. The idea is that if, if say, Jack, Joe, and Sean are running for office, and, and, and I, Joe, get the, uh, get the most votes, but it turns out way more people, I don't get a majority, but it turns out way more people would, would rather have, uh, say, Sean if they can't get Jack. And, and people who like Jack would, would rather have Sean too, in addition to the Sean voters. You end up with really who's the most popular candidate. Um, once you eliminate people, it's, it's hard to explain. I, I've also heard it. And it, I've done it poorly. <laughs> it greatly disincentivizes the negative campaign mudslinging style. In theory. So, um, anybody that gets over, if you get over 50%, you win. But if nobody gets over 50%, then you start ranking them the way Joe was just talking about, and you eliminate people on the bottom, and then you vote again, and you go, you do, you do that. Um, and in theory, you, you have fewer, you have more incentive as a candidate to try to appeal as many, to as many people as possible. Because mm-hmm. if, if so and so is going to drop out, I want all their voters to come to me, because then I move up and end up winning. As opposed to the way the system goes now, the way we currently do it now, you can be an outlier and maybe end up with the biggest chunk, even though it's a small number, and end up winning. Right. You know, functionally, what it does is instead of, uh, you know, nobody wins a majority, and so you take the top two and have a runoff, it just does the runoff now. Let's have a theoretical runoff, just in case, on the ballot. A recent study in Maine, though, showed that negative advertising went up with ranked choice voting <laughs> when they when they brought that in. <laughs> MIT did a study, and the exact opposite of what they thought would happen. Hmm. So a lot of predictors by political scientists of how this will fix politics could be wrong, but I'm glad we're doing a big experiment in New York to see how it happens. Were the negative ads successful? Well, one one thing is is the idea that uh, campaign managers they're still trying to figure out how to do this. It's too mm-hmm. new every figure out how to do it. So maybe over time it will get less negative and we'll like this more. But I'm, I don't think we're going to figure it out in one cycle. I don't know because there's an element of I don't have to outrun the bear. I just have to outrun the the worst candidates. So I'm going to bad mouth them, <laughs> you know, <laughs> right? Make them look terrible. Armstrong and Getty. Jack Armstrong.
Armstrong and Joe Getty. Tune in and I suffer depression. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Members of Congress saw in both classified and unclassified session some pretty remarkable examples. One is that a few years ago, the United States was bringing in some very large electric transformers, the kind you use to power the electric grid. Mm -hmm. And when they sent them off to one of the national labs for examination, they discovered some hardware inserted in the transformers that was not part of the design spec Hmm. that would have essentially enabled somebody in China to flip these on and off. Well, that seems like a big deal. So the New York Times has a daily podcast, and uh, today's version, David Sanger was on. He's one of their senior reporters that writes about all kinds of things like he was just talking about. And the fact that China was uh, selling us uh, equipment that has a secret off switch on it that Beijing could use if they ever wanted to. And, well, glad we figured that out now. Well, I'd say, and that's just the beginning of the technological... uh you know, uh, tools that our adversaries can use. An off switch is awful, obviously, but he's going to be talking about some other options. And I had not realized this. I'm reading a piece at heritage.org about this very problem. And, and it says it is widely understood that a major power grid collapse could become the single most deadly event in U.S. history. Really? What, what, what would kill people? Well, I suppose all hospitals being offline, although they generally have generators. There would be, you know, boredom, there would be old folks. People die in a boredom left and right. Can't right, play video games. Exactly. Don't have the internet. Just no, kill me. No Netflix. People, yeah, just kill me. Kill me now. And I've no People's Netflix. heart just stop out of boredom. Yeah. Are they assuming some number of, like, uh, traffic stuff because traffic lights don't work? I don't well, know. I think you'd have that. You would have crime. You would have old people who uh, have assistive machinery in their houses would croak. Hospitals would have terrible problems. Well, I'll tell you what. I'm not trying to sell guns, but that's when I'd be happy to have a gun. If If all the power went out for, like, days at a time. Oh, my God. Yeah, yeah. I'd like to read more about that. I I must confess, maybe it's a lack of imagination. I I feel like I'm missing something. But at any rate, uh, while I'm noodling that through, why don't we play the next uh, David Sanger clip? And then in the telecommunications area, we saw something similar. We saw Internet traffic that was running through Chinese-controlled elements of the network inside the United States that was mysteriously being routed to Beijing before it came back to the United States and elsewhere in the world. Hmm. And people started asking the question, why is it that China could, from a base in the United States, route traffic at will back to Beijing? Mm -hmm. And then as the 5G argument revved up and we were urging allies not to buy the Chinese networks, We had nothing to offer them because American companies had gone out of the business. Cue the ominous synthesizer. How did how did a staple of the New York Times Daily Podcast? Oh, really? (laughs) How did the five G discussion with Huawei providing European allies with their uh, their five G service? How did that ever? How did that ever even start? Knowing what we know or knowing what, uh, you know, the, the people like David Sanger were talking about there. I mean, Great, it, it, Great Britain was going to have Huawei provide their 5G network until Trump got really tough on that. And they were going to was going to have an off switch and all the information was going to go through China. And remember that ridiculous somebody from 5G saying uh, China has no uh, has no control over us. We are an independent entity. And uh, all right, whatever. 
Oh, yeah. yeah, Huawei, sure. Yeah, right. Uh, it's, it's, yeah, that seems like an utterly uncontroversial proposition that we should not buy our, our critical infrastructure gear from our mortal enemies. Good Lord. So this uh, piece in Heritage points out the crash of the Texas electric grid during the giant uh, ice storm. Uh, that knocked out people's heat, which could be a serious problem, and or air conditioning in the sweltering summer in the cities, say. Um, so that could be a source of death right there. Uh, they mentioned that the Trump administration issued Executive Order 13929 declaring a national emergency with respect to the nation's electric grid and prohibiting the acquisition or installation of, quote, any bulk power electric equipment designed, developed, manufactured, or supplied by persons owned by, controlled by, or subject to the jurisdiction of such foreign adversaries, including China and Russia, North Korea, Iran, Cuba, and Venezuela. Do we have another uh, shortish clip on this uh, topic? And the accumulation of these examples managed to wipe out 30 years of ideological division inside the Senate over whether the United States should be spending taxpayer money on specific industries in order to stay competitive. It was a really remarkable thing because this debate that has gone on for decades just fell silent in the face of Chinese competition. Well, good. Fantastic. We finally woke up to it as we were talking about with Josh Rogan yesterday of the Washington Post on this uh, very topic. And if you haven't heard that, go to the podcast armstrongandgetty.com where he talked about one thing Trump definitely got right was uh, changing the conversation around China to where we all recognize China as as an enemy of the United States because they clearly are. Boy, this this is something. They're writing about cybersecurity. Joseph Weiss, who was talking to the Wall Street Journal, that officials had found the uh, electronic backdoors. Weiss added that as far back as 2001, China was trying to hack into the U.S. grid in California. He contends the Russians have been in the U.S. grid since 2014. And uh, among the other technological threats... Um, let's see. This is Tommy Wallace, director of infrastructure security at the Center for Public uh, Security Policy, et cetera, et cetera. He worries about sensors, actuators, and drives installed in imported equipment, even if they are not connected to the internet. Such hardware, he notes, could be designed to sabotage the grid by sending bogus readings, which is straight out of the Stuxnet attack that somebody, I think it was the U.S. and Israel, uh, did to Iran. We drove their centrifuge readings. Uh, up into the stratosphere, and so they, they tried to compensate, but they were false readings, and they caused the machines to spin out of control and bust themselves. So, yeah, they absolutely could do that. I was thinking the other day about how, you know, the Trojan horse story, how old is that? Four, 5,000 years? How old is the Trojan horse story? And practically every school kid hears it. Um, I mean, it's, you know, it's popular enough that it gets used as a uh, metaphor for things all the time. They, mm-hmm. they built a giant horse, said it was a gift. They pushed the horse inside the castle, and then out come the warriors that they'd hidden inside, and then they take over the castle. Um, but you said it was a gift, a giant horse. I was so excited. Um, I, I've always wanted a giant horse. I hope we're not living through something that will be a story people tell for thousands of years also, just slower developing, and that uh, China taking on the, the, the biggest power in the world. We're like the Roman Empire, taking on the United States convinced them they were friends for years, for decades, and provided them all their electronic equipment that had a secret off switch that Mm -hmm. they could uh, use whenever they wanted. 
Well, and it, it reminds you of why it's always important to ask what people's primary motivation is, including those who've been pushing global trade for decades. And, and I'm pro-trade, obviously, but their priority is simply maximizing profit. And they don't want to hear about the risks of, of uh, Chinese-made infrastructure equipment because they're brokering the deal. But there are absolutely uh, limits to the global trade approach and absolutely uh, merits to nationalism in terms of trade. And, and and those of us who have been told we're nativists and racists and the rest of it, because we kind of believe that we need to design trade policy to protect our country. Well, it turns out we were right. How did I never heard this story before, that they were giving us equipment that had a secret off switch? That's unbelievable. Yeah, you know, the Wall Street Journal, according to Heritage, wrote about this last year. I missed it. Which is, you know, part of the reason the Trump administration passed that uh, executive order I was just talking about. Um, but it, it kind of came and went. It wasn't that uh, juicy, I guess. It didn't involve anybody fighting with anybody. So the media didn't make a big deal of it. Well, plus, plus, come to think of it, that was right at the very height of if you say anything negative about China, like that racist Trump, then you're a racist, too. I'm hearing anti-China racism. So, yeah, there was no pickup. There's no uh, energizing the story through the activist lefty media. 